Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Crypto Hipsters Podcast, where I interview founders and co-founders, entrepreneurs and artists, executives and stay-at-home hipsters in crypto and blockchain around the world. And I have an amazing podcast for you today. Let's get to it. And um, I have an amazing guest, um, and his his name is John Dennehy, uh, and he is um, working on Safe Harbor for Ukraine uh, in Ireland. Um, so, uh, John, uh, welcome to the show. Jamil, thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. So um, I usually ask my guests, you know, to start off by telling me, um, you know, about their background and if it's a logical background for what uh, you're doing now. So let's start there. So my background is I've, I've worked as a tech entrepreneur for about 20 years. Um, I've founded or co-founded a number of companies in software development, SaaS and mobile games. And the I recently I founded a, a company called Zartis.com. And that's a software development company with about 250 staff, uh, mostly in Spain, Poland, and Germany. Um, but there's a management team running the company, so they've they've kind of pushed me aside in the nicest of ways, and it's given me time to focus on other projects. So it's it's an MBO that's happening, and that's that's basically given me the time to look at other projects. So I was I was researching a project <clears throat> actually in the carbon sequestering space with, with carbon credits and. Then events took uh, a life of their own, obviously, with the unanticipated invasion of, of uh, Ukraine by Russia. Um, so we're, we're witnessing a flood of refugees like we haven't seen since World War II. There's two million people have left the country in the last 14 days. And everybody in Europe wants to help. And, you know, people have a real visceral, I think, reaction to this, that it's wrong and they want to help. So I have some time on my hands. and. Uh, my brother, who runs um, a garage in Limerick, he said to me on Saturday, would I be interested in trying to help get some refugees back to Ireland and to deliver some supplies to Ukraine? Uh, we would need a bus to do that. So my brother-in-law, uh, Derry Cronin from Cronin's Coaches in Cork, he, he runs one of Ireland's largest coach companies. So I told him about it over dinner on Saturday night. And he immediately agreed to give a 53-seater bus with three drivers and fuel to get uh, to the Ukraine-Poland border. And we agreed we'd we'd do this on St. Patrick's Day, which is, I think, about a week from, from tomorrow. Um, so it's all happened very quickly. But it's, yeah, it's, it, it, it's been just a really quick, um, a really quick unfolding of events in, 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 in every sense. It, it has been. Uh, so... Uh, so safe harbor to Ukraine, um, you know, you guys sending a bus, uh, to the border, um, and the goal is to what? The goal is to deliver supplies to people most in need close to the Ukraine, Poland border and to return to Ireland and provide safety and sanctuary for 40 women and children who are fleeing the war. Got it. Okay. Um, so, um, if this is successful, do you plan on having multiple buses or just, just 40, or are you planning on getting as many people as possible? We, we didn't have a kind of any long-term plan. I mean, any other normal project that I've ever worked on, you know, you sit down and 
you think about you know what the longer term goals are and your project plan and what resources you have and you know what your goals and stretch goals are um with this it just happened so quickly that we're only beginning to think about the question you asked now um there are some things that are really influencing our thinking on that one is that you know this problem unfortunately does not look like it's going away in the short term and what we're focused on is is a drop in the ocean it's only 40 people but an ocean is just a collection of many drops right so maybe we just need to do more of what we're doing um the groundswell of support locally has been astonishing and inspiring you know we're not really doing anything what we're doing is we're channeling the goodness of other people and directing it to where it needs to go and there is so much goodwill out there and there's such a huge appetite to help that i think it would be difficult for us to stop at 40 and say that's the end of it even the 40 people that arrive here we call them our guests um you know we'll need to help them with integration issues you know they're they're coming from a war zone um they're going to be some will be sick some will have uh, ptsd and we can't just drop them you know in a host family uh we'll need to provide follow-on support and if this project works well like in software we all look at nail it then scale it right so if if we do get this right then i think that we sh will have to take a long hard think about you know do we do more uh, and if so what kind of numbers could we achieve um so like i said it looks like the problem isn't going away there's two million refugees after leaving in 14 days there's lots of people that need help but on the positive side there's an awful lot of people that want to provide help yeah so i interviewed a man last week he's the founder of a technology company healthcare technology company he's he has built or uh you know bought like hotels and hospitals and stuff like that on the border um in ukraine and providing and needs uh you know uh, mattresses and bedding and food and stuff like that you know um have you guys thought about partnering with any you know organization that's on the ground um providing you know stuff the goods and services goods and, and you know information and stuff quality items to uh the refugees that's a good question and i should have said really at the start um Kronos coaches have a driver who lives in the ukraine polish border region and fortunately he's over there at the moment so he was over there wojciech is his name wojciech was over there when war broke out um, and he immediately volunteered to help refugees and his wife is a nurse so he's he's our guy on the ground and he's feeding back what the requirements are in terms of supplies and you know we knew nothing about this on sunday and if we had just filled the bus with the supplies we thought were suitable we would have got it completely wrong um the requirements are changing almost daily so for example three days ago we were told there was a shortage of blankets and that message went out and suddenly a couple of million blankets arrived from all over europe because there's such goodwill people want to help so then last night he told us that there was a shortage of buggies um children's buggies so we, you know we're now working to get um a, quite a few buggies onto the bus so that we can give them out when we arrive over there um other goods that were in short supply were children's clothing warm children's clothing and hats and uh, gloves you know people are arriving across the border cold and wet and sick um so you know that's the requirement today um you know medication was was it was a requirement we were also told 
there was a need for uh, diesel generators and chainsaws in Ukraine. And if we could get some of them to the border, somebody else would get them across the border. So it's really, this is all happening so fast that the, the requirements are changing. And, you know, we're, we're learning as we go. Like we have, we have very little experience in this, but we have a great guy in, in Wojciech on the ground over there and he's giving us good information. Good to see that people are rallying. You would say you would call it that, right? Rallying. Yeah, they're they're volunteering um, the resource, and the most critical resource they can give is um, a room in their home. In I was saying, there's a housing crisis in Ireland, and we can't provide housing for the existing needs of Irish people. So, if somewhere between twenty and a hundred thousand refugees come from Ukraine, there simply isn't the housing stock available to put them into so what we need to do is something drastic that hasn't been done before we need people to open their homes and to share a room in their home and there are enough spare rooms in homes to absorb the number of people that are likely to come in so the the irish red cross are launched an appeal for um, rooms that people would share a room in their house and they've had i think over seven thousand people volunteer a room um, we put out our request on Monday, and today is Wednesday, um, and we have 50% of the rooms that we need already confirmed. Pretty good. That's real good. All right. Awesome. Yeah, we, we also did things like, you know, I think having a tech background was helpful. I know a lot of your, a lot of your listeners I know are working in the tech sector. So when we decided to go ahead with this project, we did a lot of hacks that people who work in tech would be familiar with. You know, we didn't need to go to an expensive branding agency. We came up with the domain name safehavenforukraine.org. We registered it within five minutes for like $10. And then we installed, you know, WordPress on the shared hosting space, which took all of 10 minutes to do. And I knew a web designer who put, you know, a plugin onto the site and basically we had the whole thing done within 24 hours we had you know the domain name the branding the website the content and then we used google forms to basically um create a form asking volunteers um information about the accommodation they could provide you know their name their email address drop down um uh selections with how many rooms were in there etc and that just fed everything then into Google Sheets. So we have one Google Sheet with the answers to all of those questions. And we share all of those. We share that then with the group through, you know, Slack or WhatsApp group. Um, and it's actually worked really well. So I think, you know, people who work in startups and who've had experience in early stage tech companies actually have got very good skills to work in this area and to provide immediate responses. So if, if there are people listening to your, your podcast, I know a lot of them probably have crypto, so maybe they could put some crypto into a little fund and uh, get a project going to do something to help the people in Ukraine. There's been a lot of there's been a lot of crypto donations uh, for Ukraine. There's been a lot of requests for monetary help, um, and I see that you're asking for donation through a GoFundMe page. Um, can you talk about a little bit about that? Uh, so. That's the fastest way to get cash, you know, short of kind of putting your a crypto wallet public, um, which we didn't want to do just because of the messaging, maybe or the connotations around that um, mightn't have suited what we were doing initially. It's something we, we might look at later on, but we wanted uh, 
people were saying to us they want to help, but they don't have a room in their home to take in a refugee. Or they felt that we had, you know, too much supplies already. So they wanted to donate, you know, age-old fiat currency. Actually, Jamil, I have to take this call. I have to take this. Can I talk? Can I call you back in, in a couple of minutes? Um, yeah, put, 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 put me on pause. Okay, two minutes. Jamil? Yeah. I hope... I hope you don't hate me. I'm really sorry. That was, um, it was a government minister and we need him to sign off on something or we can't get the bus over. So I'm sorry, that wasn't like, a, it wasn't it wasn't a call from a, a friend or a stockbroker or something. It was a government minister that uh, did, there's no did way. He sign off? Did he sign off? He did, he did. He's helping us. Yeah, I mean, he, he kind of pointed out um, the need for more support in terms of on the ground over there, like to have an NGO to liaise with to help us find um, the best candidates to relocate, um, which would reduce the risk of us bringing in um, people who could be problematic, you know? Okay. All right, well, I'm glad he's helpful. I'm glad he's helpful and supportive, that's great. Thank you, and apologies for keeping you waiting. I would never do that ordinarily. It's not how, what I'd normally do. So on, there's an update on, on the Chernobyl site um, about the powers off now there. And I don't know if you're uh, following that at all. No, I I was watching, you know, like everybody watching the news and watching social media. And I just think it makes us all feel helpless and frustrated. And, you know, I think if you're working to do something to try and take action, that's going to have some small impact. I think it's a better channel of our of our of our energy. Um, the problem with just watching it has been, you know, it's it's just so it's distressing and depressing, and there's not much we can do about it. So I've tried to wean myself off the constant news feed. You know, I'm not entirely successful, of course, in watching sometimes, but I think to take action is so much better than to than to absorb that 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 stream of bad news because it is like it's hard going. I mean. We've just come out of COVID, you know, everybody is like trying to get their lives back together. Um, and then we we have this kind of hit us. So it's gonna have a knock-on effect, not just on the price of oil, but there's gonna be attacks on people's um, you know, mental health and creativity and positivity. So I think for all of us, I think we need to find ways to to counter that. I agree. And um so yeah. So you have a call for action and the GoFundMe, and what else can people do to support you in the real short term? Um, and what requests do you have of the audience? I think the key thing that your audience can do to help us is if they go to the, the GoFundMe page and they make a contribution, they can get there by going to Safe Harbor, and that's O-U-R, the European spelling, safeharborforukraine.org. Um, that's you know something they could do. Um, in general, I think that people need to advocate to do something more in this wartime situation in relation to housing. Like everywhere in Europe, um, there there's a shortage of housing pretty much in every European city, and there's not enough institutional accommodation or hotels to absorb the two million people that have already left Ukraine. And I think the we have to be creative in terms of our solutions. A friend of mine in Amsterdam yesterday told me that in Holland, they've got two cruise ships and they're filling the cruise ships with refugees. It's not somewhere you want to live for your whole life. 
But if you're fleeing a war zone, to have you know that kind of shelter like provided to you immediately is is far better than living in a tent um, at a border crossing. But I think that in in the short term and the medium term, we have to come up with very creative solutions to absorb you know two million plus people, and that number could who knows what where that number is going to go to. People opening their houses is a great way. It's a great starting point. Got it. Thank you very much for your time today. Jamal, thank you. And apologies again for um, taking that call. Um, it was lovely talking to you, and, and I hope we'll talk again. I hope we do, too. And uh, next time we talk, we'll talk about carbon credits. Yeah, okay, great. Thank you. Yep. As well.